All right. Hi, everyone. This is Anthony Diaz with the Pop Health Show. And the show is for anyone that has a strong passion for making people healthier in this world. Really enthused and excited to have Tassan Boyo on the show today. Tassan has a really interesting background. He's very um, leadership and operations focused for hospitals for a while. He is the chief operating officer at Zuckerberg San Francisco General Hospital and Trauma Center. Is a really interesting topic that he wants to go deeper on today, but I'm not going to steal his thunder. Tassan, welcome to the show. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, well, well th- I know how busy you are, so thanks for peeling all time to do this. Um, really interested on kind of where it started for you, uh, where where you know an affinity for health and for leading in health took shape maybe you can teleport us back and walk us through maybe some of the series of events that have gone on throughout your life that have led you to where you're at today okay yeah uh so i was born and raised in nigeria um and uh i grew up in new jersey i immigrated to the u.s uh around when i was 13 years old and uh, lived in the U.S. Uh, for uh, I've been in the U.S. for like over twenty over twenty years now. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I when we immigrated to the U.S., I I went to four different high schools. Uh, but what was one of the things that really struck me uh, specifically about healthcare in the U.S. was um, as a kid I got hurt, a car swiped my left hand, and my wrist was broken. And I'll never forget my mother uh, talking to another immigrant that spoke to another immigrant that recommended um, the safety net hospital um, in that region as being a place that uh, people from all backgrounds, especially people who had immigrated to the U.S., were likely to have compassionate um, patient-centered care. And for me, um, during my time in the U.S., public hospitals have spoken to me and have driven me. Um, and even as a kid growing up in Nigeria, one of the early memories that I have was in June 12th, 1993. Uh, growing up, there was a lot of upheaval on that day, actually the anniversary just a couple of days ago, mm-hmm. about um, election and the country going through what was considered at the time one of the first free elections that it didn't turn out to be that way. And uh, I remember civil arrest breaking out and, and riots happening. And um, the hospital my father worked in was a um, safe space for people to go where you could not, um, ha- uh, violence was not going to be sanctioned there. And for pretty much all my life, hospitals have been considered uh, sacred spaces. And I've always wanted to be a part of a hospital system. And it's always spoken to me and called to me. And uh, I've shaped my career to figure how I could serve vulnerable populations um, in the healthcare system based on those experiences. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, no. Um, wow. Yeah, very, very powerful um, series of steps that you've gone through. And obviously, you know, a lot of a lot of people that we find that you find, I'm sure, in health, you know, have some sort of like circumstances or, you know, what seem at the time as unfortunate events. But, you know, it with the right mindset turns into a reflective sense of, you know, how can, how can this problem I went through or potential trauma I went to, um, how can it be an opportunity for others? And, you know, I think there's two mm-hmm. people in this world that w- one that take 
tough experiences and, and do great things out of it. Right. And then there's others that, you know, there's nothing wrong with that, but you know, there's others mm-hmm. that will, will reflect that experience and, and have it weigh down on them and be traumatic towards, towards them. And it locks them up. Right. And so obviously you chose the, the first one, the first path, and it's exciting to see what you took in your past and, and, um, you know, put it forth in terms of what you're doing today. And um, June 12th is special for me because uh, it's my birthday. But, um, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, every, every time I hear that, I'm like, what? June 12th? What? But um, cake. <laughs> um, but no, it's, uh, it's, it's, yeah, no, it's a, it's a really interesting background. I guess, Tassan, you are chief operating officer at one of the, 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 the most interesting hospitals. And I, I, I cannot even imagine, I can only imagine like what, if you wrote a diary of like what occurred throughout the week, I can't imagine <laughs> it, it'll probably serve like 25 new episodes of ER on NBC. If they were to resurrect. Oh my God. I'm sure George would be like, I gotta, I gotta be a surgeon here, but no, all kidding aside though, tell me a little bit about the stuff that has your passion today in health. Like what has you excited? What, what, what topics are going on and that's really interesting and um, really keeping you engaged uh, today? Because I know you're, you're, you're interfacing with technology processes, yeah. financial elements changing and touching all of it. But what has your, what has your interest most? And I, I just love to hear on like what's, what's, what's most fascinating to you right now in health. Yeah. Um, well, the first thing I'd say is, you know, I consider being in the role that I'm in as a healthcare executive first and foremost a privilege meaning i have the privilege to be in a position to improve access uh, access to care and Mm -hmm. to do everything in my power to make the outcomes uh, high quality and i I consider that even more of a privilege because i work for a health system that's dedicated to vulnerable populations um, and the underserved and I would even take it a step further and say that I wouldn't be where I am today uh, if I didn't have mentors that dedicated the time to support me. Um, and I'm definitely standing on shoulders um, for having uh, a mother who was willing to uh, sacrifice for me and having uh, graduate school professors that were willing to invest in me. I'm a mentor. So I, I'm just a result of people who have believe in me and that's the way I look at it so for me being in my role I have an obligation to uh, do everything I can to support uh, vulnerable communities because I'm also a product um, of that so what, the things that excite me today I mean what my story is also one of the reasons why I'm extraordinarily interested in and committed to health equity you know and one of the things that we're learning over time now is it's very easy for people to assume equality and equity are the same thing. I I do orientation uh, consistently at uh, VSMG where I talk to new employees who are coming here for the first time. Mm -hmm. And I always ask, you know, should we treat every patient the same way? You know, not to set people up, but to see how many people would raise their hands. And when people say, yes, of course, every patient should get the same care, I emphasize that. Um, one of the reasons we can't continue to look at healthcare that way is we have to think about the stories that people are embodying and walking when they show up to the hospital or the clinic. And 
we are informed by our heritage, we are informed by our race, our ethnicity, our language, sexual orientation, gender identity. All those are pieces of what make us us. Um, and also, even even our demographics when it comes to income. So what we present to the hospital, it's really important that uh, us as caregivers, us as a health system, understand their story so we can better tailor our care to you. So this idea of health equity that, you know, everyone has a fair and just opportunity to be as healthy as possible, but those are the greatest needs and least resources require more. Um, it's really important for us to embody. And, and this is how it goes with disparities, right? So mm-hmm. you, I'm sure with different people you've spoken about um, uh, with, with healthcare, uh, the, the reality is in the U.S. there's a correlation between health and wealth. And also there's a correlation between race and access to care and outcomes. And how do we close those gaps? And that's one of the things I'm really uh, passionate about. Mm. Mm, I know I, I love it, and um, such an important topic. I think it's 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 extremely well timed. Some some opportunities, right? And and so a lot of people are wanting more health equity, right, around them in their community. And mm-hmm. um, you know, as as the world as the U.S. becomes more diverse, it's a it's a, it's a, the demand is brewing. What are you seeing mm-hmm. operations wise? What are you seeing projects, programs, technology? Anything, any examples of, of health equity in action that you, you're like, you read it in the paper or you see it in your hospital or you're implementing it yourself that you're like, I like this. I saw that. I want to do that or I'm doing it and I want to do more of it. What's, uh, do you have some examples, uh, you know, or, oh, yeah. you know, strategically and, 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 and or tactically that, that uh, our listeners can take away, uh, you know, uh, you know, some, some things to kind of thumbnail, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I could talk about health equity uh, forever, so I'll just give you, <laughs> I'll, I'll just give you a, a, a short sure. snippet of what our journey has been like. Um, hopefully, uh, people could learn from this and or give me advice on what we can do better. So the first thing uh, we wanted to do before trying to ramp up any health equity work was understand how well the workforce truly understands the term. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very difficult challenge to try and make change that people don't understand. Why are we making any change? And what is this change about? And what's in it for me? Mm-hmm. Right? You need to get your workforce to truly understand. Uh, so what, what we did uh, when I came into my role was to really ask questions in the organization. Like, what do we know about equity? And I started realizing that uh, some folks thought that, hey, because I worked at San Francisco General, you know, everything I'm doing is equitable because I'm coming to work in a place that takes care of vulnerable populations. And the reality is that's not always true, right? And then other things to realize that some departments were really focused on doing equity work and then others were not, which in turn limits the impact you can have at a large scale. At San Francisco General, I mean, we are a one-stop shop safety net for the entire community. We have primary care here, level one trauma care here, medical and surgical specialty care here, and also a re, you know, a top research institution in the entire country. So when we're going to do work that has an impact, we have to be very thoughtful and strategic in, in how we roll it out. So um, that was the first step to truly understand what our baseline would be. And then we realized that some projects that we've been working on, uh, primary care had been looking at hypertension 
under control uh, with patients and they, they learned about the disparity, especially uh, with black patients. And they had been cohorting uh, uh, patients to truly understand how can we help this population have their hypertension under control and focusing on it. Because one of the things we find out is it, there's now a tendency, unfortunately, where, you know, over history, uh, certain people in the U.S. were like, hey, you, you shouldn't talk about race because you don't want to see it. And, you know, because you want to be race blind or blind to race or blind to culture because you want to feel like if we don't think about these things, that shows that we're progressive. But the reality is you have to focus on the issues where disparities are. If the research shows over and over and over again that someone whose first language is not English, you know, might not be as successful in following a doctor's instructions, who is speaking English to them, when they leave, we have to call out language to better understand uh, how can we improve our communication with our patients. The same way we should do that when we realize that there is a strong correlation with uh, race and disparities and focusing on it on how we can address that. So another project that we did was um, in one of our departments, we found out that they had been sending reminder notifications of, hey, you know, you need to come to this appointment and it's really important that you come because we want to make sure you're okay. But they weren't translating the reminder calls and the reminder letters in all four thresholds of the languages, right? Which is mm-hmm. in general are English, Spanish, you know, uh, those are just like two of, of uh, Chinese, uh, three of the four threshold languages. And once we started thinking about how many patients are showing up to your, um, to your clinic and what is the ratio of English speakers, the Chinese speakers, the Spanish speakers, and then let's tailor our reminder appointment calls and cards to the patient. And all of a sudden we started noticing how more patients were going to show up uh, for the appointment. So that's just an example of, of some equity work that we've rolled out. And one of the things that I, I when I do coaching on this or teaching in the hospital or in other places is, would are you willing to not do this work and be okay with it? Mm. How many patients are not benefiting from the amazing care that you're providing because we are not taking a step further to understand their story? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I I love it. I love it. And um. Yeah, language, culture, and you know, you, you're in the heart of it. You know, in, in one of the most uh, most vibrant, interesting cities, uh, you know, across across the country. So you see it all, and and the level of the way you think about it, you know, sets a tone, which is, which is very powerful. And so it's really exciting to see, um, you know, what you're what you're doing now and how it's paving the way for future health equity processes and operations and projects. So I'm, it's, it's really, I'm really um, refreshed to hear what you're doing here, Hassan. I guess uh, along those lines, let me hear a little, I would love to hear uh, a little bit more about, I guess, in terms of the future, what is your vision of healthcare in the future? Like what's that optimistic vision that we're, we're heading towards from your perspective? And then in relation to health equity per se, um, how do you see health equity playing a role in this greater context of, of health and population health? Uh, 
how do those two relate? Maybe you can give me an illustration of the way, the, the future of health, according to, to son. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, I, don't, I don't know how much I can speak for the future of health, but I'll, I'll give you uh, my synopsis and how I see it. So, um, sure. I predict uh, in the coming decades, um, sooner rather than later, healthcare is going to become uh, more personalized and there's going to be a greater perspective of consumerism when it comes to healthcare. Um, you know, as someone, you know, I, I'm a millennial. I was born uh, after 1980. Um, mm -hmm. The generation after 1980 is more likely, as being one of them, to want stuff, uh, be it things of value or things of entertainment or things of necessity. Uh, the, the generation born after 1980 wants things when they want it, how they want it, in a very specific way. Now, when it comes to healthcare, the future generation views it more as a personal commodity. I want to go to a doctor based on the availability of my schedule, or I might not want to have to go to the doctor. I want to be able to FaceTime them. I want to be able to text them. I want to be able to email them, and I want to get feedback from a, a, a licensed provider when I need it based on my schedule. And I, I imagine we're going to see a significant influence of consumerism um, in healthcare. And then you can see that in the types of agencies and business that are not traditionally healthcare-based uh, coming um, into the industry. So that's one thing I predict. Uh, the second mm -hmm. thing, technology is, especially AI, is going to be more uh, invested in healthcare, when we think about how much more we can learn based on data mm -hmm. about um, our, our patients, about ourselves, um, about um, how much more we can utilize data to personalize care and leverage technology. Um, that's the second thing I see. Those are very high level. When mm -hmm. it comes to health equity uh, in the future, I, we live in a time where people especially again thinking about the the younger generation uh, 1980 and above like people want to know that their work matters people want to know their perspectives are valued mm -hmm. and i anticipate that as the u.s gets more diverse health equity is going to matter more and more because the research also shows you know if you're a latino there's something very powerful uh, being a Latinx person showing up to your clinic or the hospital and your physician and nurse looks like you mm -hmm. and they speak your language and understands your story and they have family members who have walked in your shoes before. That empathy builds a bridge that can have a significant impact um, on outcomes. That moment when you are in pain, the two places people never want to be are what? Prison and hospitals. Right, right, right. And, I, right. And, I, and I and I spend 50% of my life in one of those places. Right. right? So there's something, there's something about, you know, uh, that, you know, people showing up to a place where they're in pain and they're vulnerable and the person who is sitting down next to them and looking them in the eye in this vulnerable moment can relate to their experiences. And I think people are going to want more of that. When English is not your first language and somebody's asking you how much pain are you feeling, the person asking you that question knows that you might hesitate 
uh, to answer, mm. right? Or knows that, um, oh, you know, how is your family doing? You know, where did your last meal come from? How are you going to get home? Because the person is empathizing and or understands you. I think more people are going to look for that in healthcare and more people are going to want their care personalized um, in the future. And also, I, and this, the other thing about health equity is acknowledging how history has impacted the outcomes of health and has impacted communities. I mean, this ties into uh, gentrification and how gentrification significantly results in uh, people of color not having the same access to housing um, or the same access to healthy food and and groceries and all those things ultimately impact health, right? Even mm -hmm. the school system impacts health. So in the future, health equity is going to be even more critical when patients from different walks of life are prevalent across the U.S. who have heritages from uh, very different places. On, on the healthcare front, we are going to have to be more prepared to understand everyone's story. Amen. Yeah, no, absolutely, Tassan. Um, so, yeah, no, I really, really appreciate that laying it out. I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, you know, articulate it better uh, on, on, you know, all of these points. And I, I think what's interesting is all of these, all of these pieces put together definitely will comprise a really interesting, fascinating future, but one that's going to be an impactful, you know, personalization, uh, the data science side, the health equity side. I mean, all of these pieces are really critical and key. And I, I totally believe, um, you know, absolutely and agree wholeheartedly in what you're saying here, Tassan. And so um, this is great. I, I guess, uh, well, one thing, I want to be sensitive to your time, especially on a Friday here, but um, this is um, really great, you know, a couple of things. I really appreciate your, your origin story, your current focus, and most importantly, you know, what you're doing right now is shaping up to arrive at that future, at this future that you're illustrating. Um, I promise I only have one more question. Um, and that's fine. What is, uh, so doing what you do right in the heart of trauma, you're seeing this flow in and out. Um, you know, you must have to do something to keep your own engine going. You must have to do something to stay sane, mindful, healthy, uh, and in high performance and to, uh, convey that to your team. Um, what's something you do like on a morning routine or weekly routine basis that really works for you from a health and well-being perspective? Oh, wow. That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I, I need to think about how I can answer that. Um, so I, I, I try very hard to compartmentalize my life. Right. And um, I, I do that because a, I, it, the other reason I consider my job a privilege, like I genuinely love being at work. Like I, I, right. I, I love, I, I love being in a position to make an impact. I love being in a position to serve. So for me, when I'm at work 10, 11 hours, like I'm not like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm still here. Um, it, it genuinely gives me life. Um, but right. also, I mean, I, 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 I also love going home and seeing my daughter um, in, in her high chair eating. <laughs> and by the time I come home, um, you know, she, she's enjoying her, her meal. Um, and it, it, that also gave me life. I, I also love having um, uh, great shows to watch uh, with my wife and 
things that we can track together. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really appreciate, um, I, I'm a huge reader. Um, I, mm-hmm. I go through, I'll say, two or three books a month. Um, and fiction is really important to me. I'm always listening to um, audiobooks. I, literature um, uh, gives me life. And it's, it's very important to me to, uh, the other reason I love literature is also learning about new worlds. And those new worlds give me an opportunity to really process uh, mm-hmm. differently. But it, it, I'll say to be a hospital administrator, you have to understand how you balance the chaos of the everyday world in a, in a level one academic trauma center that mm-hmm. has uh, high standards and high quality. And you have to learn to, to balance that because the reality is healthcare is uh, a very... Uh, a hard science that you cannot just fix. It's not a factory where, you know, if you do A plus B plus C, D is always going to happen every time. That's, that's right. not the way it works. Uh, for the equation to work, you know, there, there is a community of people from all backgrounds who have to be on the same page regarding the why they are showing up every day and um, it's really important to have enough energy to also give your team at work and have enough energy to give your family at home. And I have the privilege of being fulfilled when I'm at work and uh, being able to be fulfilled uh, when I get home. But it's really important to have that balance. No debate. I, I read this article the other day about is, is the work-life balance a myth? <laughs> 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 you know? uh, but then if you really love what you do, you know, do you really need uh, a work-life balance? But for me, right. like I, it's really important to be uh, there for my my family and to be a, a great parent, a great yeah. uh, hus- husband, and a, and a great executive. So I, I, essentially, I'll say there are four parts of Tassan that I'm always trying to balance. That is my personal life as Tassan, just what, what do I need for myself to make sure I'm taking care of myself? And that's like literature film, going to the gym, hiking, traveling, then there's what do I need to be a great father? And that is having, you know, very specific ties with my daughter, leading to her um, on Saturday or Sunday morning, you know, making sure like when I, I, I make her breakfast and I have that very careful, dedicated time with her on the weekends and putting her to bed at night. Um, being a great administrator, that means being there for patients, being there for my team, being present, uh, being able to think about the future and how the decisions we make today uh, impact tomorrow, and then being a great partner uh, to my wife and uh, what does that mean on a daily basis to practice. So those four parts of myself, um, I, I try and balance every day because I cannot be a great administrator, uh, healthcare executive without the other three. I cannot mm-hmm. be one of those without the other. So um, those four are necessary for me. I love it. I love it. No, I think that's a, that's a beautiful, healthy way. I'm always intrigued by, you know, someone that's in the heart of, of, of leading um, recovery, healing, you know, in centers that are gravitating and a magnet for trauma. Right. And then how do you, yeah. how do you navigate everyone that's coming through and stay sane and, you know, reduce burnout. But most importantly, everyone's talking about reducing burnout. I, I, yeah. and I, I feel that's important as well, but how do you promote recovery? How do we, how do you promote rejuvenation and, and 
thriving nest. You have to practice it, right? You, ha- you, you have, have to, to practice, practice what you're leader. preaching. Yeah. You know? yeah. Like, so, for example, one of my managers, every time I see him now, at least once a week, I'm like, so when are you taking a vacation? When are you taking a vacation? I need, like, it's important to me because I've come to care about him as a person. Right. And I ask, I ask my manager that, like, hey, I want you to know that I need you to take a vacation because it's important to me that you have time for yourself. Um, and I, I try and walk the talk that way and make sure that I also take my vacation because I don't want them to feel that by them taking uh, their vacation, I don't want them to feel um, guilty. You know, I want to walk the talk. Right. Right. No, I, I love it. I love it. I mean, I think that sets a really great tone and example of the, of the way leadership should be just overall. Um, and, you know, I think fresh new leaders just coming out of school, you know, have this counterintuitive aspect of, you know, this like, we, we got to work, we got to work ourselves into success and just, you know, and then you burn everyone out and then it's just like, oh no, but, and, and so initially what you do, what you're doing now and promoting is, is feels a little counterintuitive, but it just creates more sustainability and, you know, it's a family, you know, pe- people, teams, yeah. the great ones out there, the great ones with great harmonics out there. Um, you know, have that family type effect and that connectedness and, and, and able to compartmentalize in the, in the way that you you mentioned. So, but I haven't perfected it, man. I mean, I'm sure someone is going to hear this and be like, compartmentalizing is not a good thing, (laughs) you know, it's a a PDSA, it's a plan, do, study, act. I've made mistakes. I will continue to make mistakes, but I'm hoping to learn from them. And one thing that's always important to me is the difference between perfecting and perfection. I'm, I'm trying to learn from the mistakes I'm making along the way um, in, in balancing everything at work um, and at home mm-hmm. and just to make sure that I'm learning from that. But, yeah. I love it. I love it. It's not, yeah, this is a great, great, uh, you know, framework. I, I greatly appreciate it. It's refreshing when I hear stories like yours, but most importantly, um, the, the, the mindset and, and the way that you've taken from what you've done and how you're applying it. Uh, to the future of health and what you're doing right now. Um, Tassan, uh, what was what would be a great way for our listeners to connect with you on social media or directly if you'd like that to happen? Uh, they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Cool, cool. Yeah. Tassan, as you work on other things, love to have you back on the show. This was super rewarding for me and I'm sure super rewarding for our listeners. And, you know, you're laying out a great playbook here. Um, Tassan, again, Thank you so much for your time, oh, sharing thank you for your story, and for yeah, for being on our show. This was this was awesome. This was great. All right, take care. Have, have thank a you good so much. Day. You too.